Another edition here of We Talk Fantasy. For some of you, the dust has settled and you're staring at your fantasy football team. I can use the term here in a podcast. Some of you have begun the rosterbation, looking at your roster, while others are waiting to piece that together. That's right. Right out of the gates, Chet Davis spit out his wine. This is We Talk Fantasy. Dobbins and ETN, for some of you, that name has lit up. They're injured. Chad, I'll start with you. What the hell happened? J.K. Dobbins and Travis Etienne, last time we take, they were both healthy. Now they're both out for the season. Guys, I've been roster baiting hard this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the wrong it. reasons. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. First part about this, because I think we've said it multiple times every year on this podcast. You have to wait to draft until after the preseason. I fucked up because, <laughs> and this is this is here's my explanation. I always chat before you do this real quick. What is weirder to hear the former radio host talk about rosterbation or the TV anchor drop the f bomb? Let us know after this episode. We're not being regulated <laughs> by the FCC, are we? Okay. No. <laughs> um, so I always look for the final preseason game like when are the preseason games ending i'll plan my draft around that of course this year we all know that the preseason shrunk from four games to three unless you play in the hall of fame weekend i had no idea that they did a week in between buffer from the end of the preseason to the start of the regular season i think it's kind of stupid because you lose momentum i get it from a standpoint of all right let's make sure everyone's 100 percent fresh unless you completely destroy your knee or rip your foot open, whatever ETN did. Um, so I was kind of on that boat when ETN went down Monday night and people were complaining about their drafts. I was like, ha, idiots, that's why you don't draft early. Well, then we had our draft Friday night, both of the draft that we're involved in, well, Kyle's somewhat involved in. We'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> uh, so I had simultaneous drafts on Friday. I actually wanted to draft on Sunday but it was my brother's anniversary. And so we adjusted just for him to have a Friday night draft. And then what happens in the final preseason game? J.K. Dobbins, who many expected to have a breakout sophomore season. We saw it at the end of his rookie year. I think he had a, a streak. I should have the stats in front of me, but I think he had a touchdown in five or six consecutive games down the stretch. Completely destroys his leg, hyperextended, torn ACL, done. He was my number one keeper for running back. And now, yeah, I'm, I, I almost said I'm masturbating. I'm rosterbating <laughs> and masturbating to feel better. <laughs> Kyle, if you want to share your sexual feelings with us as well, this first three minutes of the podcast has no doubt been the greatest in the history of We Talk Fantasy. I don't know how you can take it from there, but go right ahead. Uh, we're going to have to put a TVMA for this one here. <laughs> um, children, we're sorry. Um, but I was – I think I was roster baiting for the positive in my one draft because I had a very, very good draft from what I see um, going on. But, no, from the Dobbins and ETN news, ETN really helped me because in my most recent draft I got Robinson in the second. Um, and, obviously, the impacts of ETN down uh, is huge for Robinson because he's going to go back. We're going to – Will we see the same Robinson? We don't know, but it gives him full control of the backfield again. So um, stats pending, he's it's it's his backfield um, again. So that's huge um, for a lot of fantasy owners, especially in keeper leagues who kept him with a 
undrafted um, pick, pretty much. I think if you drafted uh, James Robinson, congratulations, you are a port- or a psychic and can see the future. But the Dobbins injury is brutal and a lot and a, just everywhere. So again, I have him in another league that I whole story got auto drafted into. And he was there, so it's on my roster. So, again, one of those really crappy scenarios. But um, what I'm most interested interested to see with the Dobbins situation is everybody's talking about Gus Edwards and it's his backfield now. We don't know who's going to be controlling that backfield. They do love Gus. He got a ton of carries last year. Um, but, again, it looked like the show was going to J.K. Dobbins this year in the Ravens' backfield. So, are we going to see a split touches between Gus and somebody else? We don't really know. So it's going to be interesting to pay attention to that situation um, because a lot of people are obviously adding and jumping on the Gus bus. Um, but I think there's going to be some surprises at how many touches that Ravens backfield is going to start seeing. And then you've got also got to look at did Lamar's value just go back up a lot more because of the running game taking a small hit possibly? And did wide receivers take a step up because they may have to change the offense a little bit? I don't know, but the Dobbins and the Ravens situation from a fantasy side is really interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, those last points in particular, because this is one of these things, and you've heard it if you've listened to a bunch of podcasts, and I fully admit it, I'll do it at probably every podcast. I look at the college side of how these guys performed and then how they moved to the professional level. These are two monster running backs coming out of college, from Ohio State to Clemson. And if you are in dynasty or keeper leagues, you get, whoa, what can they really do when they hit the pros? But what Kyle just said there is really interesting because – I wasn't a fan of either one because of what you just said. When Lamar Jackson gets to the goal line, he has the potential to run or pass or just take off and as good as a passer as he is or as underrated as a passer as he is with actually passing touchdowns, he trusts himself more than anybody else in the field. So he wants to put his ball in the hands and take off and make a play. What Urban Meyer was doing with Travis Etienne scared me because he's putting him at wide receiver and then he's like, is he going to have him in the read option? But he doesn't have an athletic quarterback that he's used to in college. Like Trevor Lawrence is an athlete, but he's not like Braxton Miller or JT Barrett or anybody like that in the past. So I had a lot of question marks of, do I take Dobbins in the second? Do I take ETN in the fit? Where these guys were going, I just kind of think, made those noises because I'm like, I didn't know. So look, I feel bad that both guys have gotten injured. But there was really question marks for me of what I was truly going to get out of both guys in 2021. I was definitely uh, higher on Dobbins. ETN, I was kind of envisioning what the Browns did last year, where Robinson is Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt is Travis ETN, where we could see them on the field at the same time. Um, maybe ETN spells Robinson for certain drives, but you'd see him uh, much more in the passing game. And uh, which is good in certain formats. If you have half point PPR, full point, I think you would have been a stud. Uh, maybe not so much in standard scoring. But now, like Kyle said, there's not that not a lot of competition, and you have to figure that the offense is going to be better this year. They added, obviously, what everyone thinks is the number one quarterback prospect, maybe the best quarterback prospect we've seen in a decade. And then they also added, and I missed it, Marvin Jones, which a very underrated, not not so great in fantasy and consistency. But in terms of being an actual NFL player, uh, pretty solid guy as well. So that offense should be able to move the ball better, more scoring opportunities for James Robinson. Marvin Jones, my second favorite Jones brother. Malachi Jones, of course, number one on that list for me. What about TJ Jones, Malachi's brother, who actually played with Marvin Jones? Third. And Third. then Teresa, Teresa from the real world, the challenge, she's she's up there. I don't know if she counts as a brother. What about Cameron? 
That's impressive. <laughs> this, this is going. This is going real impressive here. I There's another one who plays for the Orioles. I think it's Jay Jones that goes by. Yeah, uh, Jemai is his Yeah, Jemai what Jones. A, what about that guy out of East Carolina, Zay? <laughs> one of my favorite. One of my favorite athletes I've ever interviewed, Zay Jones. I wish he would have played better because he was a fantastic oh, interview. Since you just brought up Zay Jones, um, I have a random guy that I follow who covers the Raiders, and they're talking about like final projections for the rosters. Do you know who's like the number five receiver for the Raiders right now? I meant to look it up because maybe he's injured. Zay Jones. No, he's like four. Oh, okay. I know. I know it's not John Brown because he's on the verge of getting cut. Yeah. He's oh, listed number five. Yeah, he's about to get cut. I he's behind the white dude out of Clemson. What's his name? Renfro. 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 Dude, yep. I feel like John Brown. You, I mean, Kyle, you love yourself some Smoky John Brown. Yes, I do. What happened? It's the Raiders. No, like, John Allen happened. Man, I feel like it's a really weak receiving room, and John Brown somehow at the bottom of it. And like you said, might get cut. It, it feels mind. weird. It feels weird, but don't forget, it's like smoke. Oh, he ran good routes. It were they were never great routes. He had he had pretty he had pretty darn good hands, but he was a straight post flag runner. Yeah. He he didn't run too many. I guess you already have that with Henry Ruggs. Who's yeah? The, so I was surprised. I just like I had to literally double check that that's the John Brown. It's a very common name. We went to we went to high school with a John Brown. So yeah, I had to make sure it was the right, it's the same one. But man, yeah, that's so it. You got, if I drop this reference of John Brown's the king of the burbs, hallelujah, holla back. Do either one of you know have any idea what I'm talking about? Yep. All right, good. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Few people know that reference, and if somebody just got that reference, that's that's good enough. I'm thinking it's an old MTV VH1 show. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> You know, we mentioned like the keeper leagues and these injuries and these young athletes making plays and trying to figure out exactly. I believe it was in our mass text in our Twitter DMs. Keeper controversy. Chad, I think it's fair if you set up this story because you told me a story. And then in my league back home, it happened two days later. The same scenario you talked about involving injuries and keepers. I had opinions on it. And I fully admit I flopped my opinion two days later. All right, so for those who don't, I did. I 100% changed it. So for those who have no clue what we're talking about, go through what happened in your league, and I'll kind of set up what happened with mine and offer what other leagues should do to prevent things like this. Sure. So all keeper leagues are different. Some keeper leagues, you only keep one player. In ours, we keep up to three. And so in an effort to allow people to strategize, because that's one of the toughest things about keepers is you really can't mock draft because – it's not real to how it's going to go in your league where some of these great players are untouchable in the early rounds. Cause we do it based on uh, where you draft them in the previous year. And that's what's going to cost you this year uh, an additional one round. But so what we do is, so this year we drafted on a Friday, you had to announce your keepers on that Monday and why Monday? Yeah. It's the start of the week. You know, I send out the text, I give people a full day, uh, we go in order based on your uh, your draft order. So the first overall uh, manager releases his, and we go down the line. I put it all in the group text because then that, that also helps you you know realize okay if I'm seeing a lot of running backs get kept, maybe I got to keep a running back. There's some strategy in that as well. And so we do it early, but I put in the caveat that if one of your keepers gets injured. I said, I said, if he gets injured, arrested, or shows his PP to a bunch of masseuses, you're allowed 
to change your decision. You're allowed to swap out a put in a new keeper because you don't have to keep three. So if you add three, you can drop down to two because essentially, let's use ETN as an example, even though he was a rookie. Uh, how about J.K. Dobbins? If we had been drafting next week, you announce your keeper is J.K. Dobbins. He tears his ACL. I'm not going to make you draft a guy who tore his ACL in the third round because that there's no way you would do that. And that's just going to upset you. It's going to ruin your team. You're going to be disinterested from the get-go. So that's the idea. And, and I know at first, Gaz was like, no, it's like a test. If you fail the test or something happens, there's no do-overs. And that's true for the draft, where anybody who drafted earlier this week, they're really pissed off that J.K. Dobbins got hurt. Well, that's final. You're not, you can't redo an entire draft. You can't do the what-if game where, like, I could have taken Chris Godwin. No, it doesn't work that way. But for keepers, gave, there is a little bit of – I think there's some leniency where you can change that without completely derailing everybody else's strategy. So that was our game plan. Um, I wish we'd been drafting a week later because that would have been much more important for us. <laughs> Before I weigh in, Kyle, do you agree with Chet's theory? And here's your time to bash his theory on the keeper if you want, even though you guys compete against one another. Do you like that rule? So I actually texted this to Chet. I am completely neutral on it. I am a little bit more on the uh, small bit of disagree because, again, the, the conversation we're talking about is the ETN Robinson. We had a guy that could have kept Robinson, didn't because of ETN, announced the keepers that Tuesday or Wednesday ETN tears it, whatever, done for the year. Monday Night Football, yep. And, again, we he announced it and everything goes. But he wasn't keeping ETN. He was keeping Robinson. My argument against, like, against his point was – it wasn't. It was a direct impact to that player because now playing time is, is adjusted. Chet's argument, which is again, I agree with hundred percent, but it wasn't the player you're keeping. So I honestly, I said like I'm a little bit more on the side of Chambers in this in this scenario. So I'm like fifty five percent against Chet, forty five percent with him. I am completely neutral. Like I agree on both sides. Um, but I think my opinion may have flipped a little bit, especially since I got James Robinson this year. So, <laughs> yeah, so like, like Kyle's saying, you know, the the reason I went with if it's on a direct impact or directly to your player, it's cut and dry. Like if that player is hurt, suspended, it's obvious. It could get subjective of how much which injuries are more impactful than others. Obviously, we all know the Robinson ETN. We can clearly see how that's going to change things. But let's say. Patrick, not Patrick Ramsey. Uh, why can't I think of his first name? Jalen? Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey tears his ACL, and now you're like, oh, my gosh, um, DK Metcalf's going to have a much easier matchup two games. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. injuries change, and, and then it becomes, again, a subjective choice as opposed to, nope, if it's not your guy, sorry, you made your choice. You should have kept Robinson anyway. Yeah. See, here's why I've completely flopped. And like you said, Kyle, you felt neutral. Chet laid it out really well there. Uh, <laughs> what happened for me was like, there's these arbitrary things in fantasy football. Now I know like, I don't like arbitrary things in fantasy football is a very oxymoronic thing to say. Cause that's almost what fantasy football is based on the randomness, the wildness of this whole thing makes it so much fun and entertaining. But what you just said there, Chet was about your guys' keeper deadline is Monday for a draft that's on Friday. The leagues I've played in the longest back in Syracuse, our keeper deadline is a week before the draft. 
And we like to do that so you can set the draft boards up. You can kind of, as we do mock drafts, you try to figure out who's taking who and what. That's a lot of fun flair to everything. Yep. But then I realized in similar fashion to leagues that offer bonuses, whether it be two, three, four, five points for 100-yard games or 400-yard passing, those bonuses are too arbitrary to the overall numbers and scoring. And so are the days out in which your keepers do. Because you easily could just have your keeper do five hours before the draft. Or, hey, you walk into the draft and say, my keeper is this. There's really no rhyme or reason as to when or why your keeper should be announced. Now, what happened this year is, I don't know if guys are getting older or they all got new cell phones or they just forgot. But we had two guys forget to post their keepers. Just didn't do it. For the first time in over like close to 20 years of doing this. Yeah. Teddy, I and my guy Dixon loves what you just did there because my my buddy Dixon did the whole gladiator post that the commissioner should put the thumbs down. But one of the guy's concerns was that he said, "Look, I got Dak Prescott. I don't know what Dak Prescott's going to be. I wanted to wait till the absolute last moment to figure out." So here's what I flipped, Chad. It was similar to your test thing you just referenced back to me. It's right. The test didn't start yet. The test is the season. The test is arguably maybe the draft. If you want to say the that's the test. Great. But like nothing has actually happened yet that a manager should be harmed for his team going forward because he hasn't done anything wrong yet. If you drafted an injured player, that's on you. If you drafted a guy who's suspended, that's on you. You have not done anything wrong yet. You can't fix before a draft starts. So that's why I flipped on it. But I do believe this in your guys' case with JK Dobbins and our case with the guy forgetting to post the keeper, there should be some type of penalty. And this is what we decided on. Maybe we'll change. If you miss your keeper deadline or you had an injured guy and you want to switch, we've decided they can't play week one because you have an unfair advantage over other managers in the league. Hey, why can't a manager switch their keeper two days before the draft or a day before the draft? Because you're using, I guess, a loophole, you should be – something should even out. So that's what the decision we made. If you're not going to announce your keeper on time, whoever you decide to keep, you can't play week one. Don't know if that's the right way to do it, but that's what we decided on. I like that. The only other thing, do you guys do you guys do the keeper the same way that we do, where it costs you based on previous draft, or is it keepers are all just at the front of the draft? Yep. So let's say, for instance, uh, um, I don't know, AJ Brown. Let's say AJ Brown's a rookie wide receiver. You drafted him in like the sixteenth round. Your sixteenth round representative pick will be AJ Brown. Like whatever yeah. round he was drafted and goes in that slot. So that's what I was thinking. It could be like a one round penalty. Um, but that doesn't really – I mean, it could be big. If a guy is right on the fringe and then now he's becoming you know, tougher to keep. Um, but I like we, that. Put him on the bench. Yeah, like you mentioned the one-round penalty. We thought about docking a draft pick, but that's the arbitrary thing. Is it a sixth? Is it an eighth? Right. Is it a tenth? And that could be as high as 60 to 120 points for a season. You know, That could be three or four win different for not announcing a keeper. At that point, you're like, I don't want a keeper. I'm not going right. to give up 120 points for that. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great rule, guys. Um, really creative. And like you said, it's a good penalty for a rule that's there. But um, I still think you got to go with thumbs down. Like, dude, you missed the deadline. That's on you. Like that, in my opinion, like that's it. I respect the fact that you guys made up something on the fly. But I think going forward, you guys should create something like, hey, this is the deadline. This is a one, like we never had this and it never happened. So Here's the grace period for all you guys. We're going to be in this league for another 75 years or until we all die. Um, <laughs> miss it again. Sucks to be you. Yep, it's on you. Nobody to blame but yourself. 
How old do you think we're going to live, Kyle? 75 well, years? Hey, I know I'm not living that long. God damn, bro. <laughs> we're actually in like a video game coaching our fantasy players. <laughs> Technology's advanced <laughs> to a point where we're controlling the game. Let's actually help now. That sounds scary now that I say that out loud. Uh, Godzilla Media's Fantasy Football League happened this past weekend. The highs and the lows. Yes, Chet is showing the low there with his thumb, and so is Mr. Kyle Ray. Let's start with the controversy that involved Kyle and I. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to tell the story because I feel like an idiot. There was an controversy. This should be titled Kyle, Kyle, and I. Yeah. <laughs> there was. I screwed a lot of it up, but God being the commissioner missed it. It's not the end of the world. Carry on. So we have a 14-team league. So I'm going through the names. I'm going through the draft picks. And uh, I thought Kyle Ray was in the league. And it said Kyle right there. And one of the league's members' names is Kyle Rigney. But he never goes by Kyle. I actually barely remember his name is Kyle because it's the Trav and Rigney show. And there's their first cross-promotion reference here on We Talk Fantasy. So I just assumed... Old Ray Ray had signed up. So Matt Woods from the Over the Bar podcast, I was looking for one more person. Even in my head thinking back, I'm like, how did Woods get in this league? He's had a podcast for like two weeks. I'm pretty sure there's no way this math is adding up. But I'm sure enough, I'm like, no, it's just Kyle. Like he's in the – so unfortunately, you as one-third of the hosts here on We Talk Fantasy are not technically in the actual fantasy football league because you owned it. You you forgot to hit sign up. So what happened was when what God posted, was. <laughs> I went through and did all the processes that I thought it was. So I clicked on the link, went through, signed in. But that's all it did, boys and girls. It just signed me into Yahoo versus saying, you joined the league, which I found out later when I literally just did another Yahoo draft. It was, hey, you need to sign in, and then you need to keep going to say, hey, you got to sign up for the league. So I do own that part. That one's on me from that standpoint. But, yeah. Bittersweet. I'm a little, I'm a little bitter about it, but I'll be over it. Chat. What are your thoughts? Who is to blame, if anybody, or if all of us are to blame? <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's it's everyone um, except for myself. I have no blame. <laughs> Although I, I do somewhat feel bad. Kyle got really excited about the idea of uh, he and yep. I sharing a team, and I had to say no. <laughs> As much as I love Kyle Ray, he's a brother from another mother, but that would not bode well for our friendship, bro, man. <laughs> no. Because we play the game very different. We, have, we And that's what makes it fun when we're either on this show or texting every day of the week about fantasy. We have different opinions. And so his idea was, you know, we split the roster where I have QBs, a running back, and the tight end, and he has a running back, the receivers, and the kicker. It would have been – a shit show and I, I just I had to shoot it down as much as I want Kyle involved I, I joked to you he'll be like my senior advisor those coaches that get fired but somehow get brought in as like no official title but he's like my go-to for help that'll be Kyle Red. I think I think the part of this podcast selfishly for me part of Godzilla Media and running this whole thing I feel like the podcast could actually be better this year than ever before because look I'm going to be biased for my players and that's a Fine part about being a fantasy football manager. Chad is the same way about this league. Guys who are going to be doing their own podcasts across the Godzilla media platforms are going to be rooting for themselves and our wonderful sponsors, Hooters and Johnson Supply and Belts by Dan and everybody. But Kyle gets to see it with an unbiased opinion this year. 
So if we hop on here on week one and say, hey, you know who's having a great year managing? You know who's hitting the waiver wire the right way? You know who I mean? You get to really have an evaluation of watching what guys do in this league. And if someone listens to this on a Monday or Tuesday and those guys haven't made those types of moves in their own league, that's the best advice you can give everybody. Hey, look what happened in this league, and this is what you should be doing in your league. So I hope that happens. Or I can just call a bunch of people idiots. Why are you doing that? It's fucking stupid. That's more likely to happen. <laughs> or if there's ever a problem that pops up and, and Gaz does not want to be the commissioner to lay down the law, you take it to uh, Rangaroo Court. Rangaroo Court. Uh, Rangaroo Court was almost open, and I got a nice graphic for Rangaroo Court in a second. But first, uh, the overall picks of the draft – Anything that jumped out to you guys? I guess I'll yeah. start at the top. Go ahead. Uh, I think Derrick Henry too, right? Derrick Henry too is the first surprise? Immediately. So I was uh, fortunate enough to get pick number four, thanks to a lovely Hooters girl. Uh, and I had already, you know, that's an easy spot for you to map out. You know, if you're in the late first round, there's plenty of curveballs that can be thrown. And, and the guys you think might be there might not be. At four, there's only three picks ahead of you you got to worry about. And so I'm looking at it. I'm getting either... Derek Henry or Alvin Kamara. And I was hoping for Kamara because we're in a half point PPR. Never in my wildest dreams did I think Dalvin Cook would slide to four in a half point PPR draft. Absolutely blown away, ecstatic that he was there. I would say in 98% of leagues, Dalvin Cook was the top two, if not top two, top three. And uh, now, could Derek Henry have a better season? Sure. It would not be – it's the back-to-back rushing champ. The guy's not a slouch. I just uh, – and we've talked about it on our last podcast. If you want to click into the previous episode, I think it was the previous one. Yep. We talked about running backs. And, you know, for the last couple of years, we've had the conversation at the end of the year being like, why didn't we pick Dalvin Cook number one? Like, this guy has been delivering in Minnesota. He is the guy – uh, a phenomenal talent. So that was the biggest surprise right away. I was very happy Dalvin Cook slid to four. Yeah, when when I was sitting there just like watching the draft at Hooters, just watching, I'm like, oh, okay, Chris CMC, oh, Henry, okay, interesting. Then Kamara, I go, wait a minute, time out. How is Dalvin? And then I and then Chet just goes, did I get Cook? <laughs> and I go, Richard, baby, there's no way that just happened. Like. Just kind of blew my mind, and then um, just some. I mean, we'll talk about it in a minute. So yeah, no, but but where Kyle was sitting too, Chet, what made it even better was that Kyle and I were at the end of the table, and we I think our food had just come out. We yeah. were both at we we're a few beers deep, and Tom from Johnstone Supply and Troy is a huge Titan fan, so he was convinced at three. He actually had like his his snow beanie on, like he ripped it off and said, "I'm going to get my guy Henry here at three. Let's go." And he started losing his mind right next to the cop. What do you mean he took Henry too? <laughs> it was great. It was just – it's everything you hope for in a fantasy football draft where somebody has a player they just cannot wait to draft and the one pick ahead of them, they take him. It was such good – such good stuff. I feel like the first, oh, my God, what the hell are they doing pick was at pick 44. So this is a little early in the fourth round. When the second quarterback off the board was Justin Herbert. Now, look, all three of us had said we think Herbert could be a top six, seven, maybe ceilings top five. I don't see him getting as high as two. Unless you really love Justin Herbert. I thought that was the first. Ryan McCarthy, no credentials required, was the first, huh, pick of the yeah. draft. It's a reach. It's a reach. He would have been there the next time around without question. But 
it goes back to if you believe that guy is going to take a huge step forward, I wouldn't be surprised. It's just in terms of your strategy, I don't know if you had to pull the trigger that early. No, and I mean, look at it. How many rushing touchdowns did Justin Herbert have last year? Maybe just a couple from a quick QB sneak jumping over the end zone. But uh, Josh Allen was probably – was he still – I'm guessing he was there. Probably number one. So – the, the, the Herbert team. Herbert had five rushing touchdowns. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> corrected. Well, the, the rushing ability of Allen plus the, touch, the extra touchdown potential plus all the weapons. I mean, I personally think that Allen was a clear number two for the second best quarterback. Um, obviously, Patrick Mahomes won, Allen two. But like you said, Herbert could take a massive leap. I just think the rushing uh, – aspects for Allen and the amount of rushes that he does outweighs the fact that Herbert may throw for an extra 200 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, that's it. You know, if you're in a league that's six points for a passing touchdown, which I know that's a smaller percentage of leagues Oof. do that now, way like so two, gross. Two, right, like two decades ago, early 2000s, that was actually like really popular, the six touchdown thing. If you're in that, yeah, like maybe Herbert can give you tons of points like that, but I don't see any other way he's going to catch those other guys. Uh, both of you, anything that jumped out to you that – whether it be just draft we're talking now, a player, a pick, a team, a strategy, something that might be the theme of the draft. I know running backs went fast, which I don't know if it's a surprise to any of us, but anything else jumping out to you guys from the overall just drafting side of what happened on Friday night? I have actually have another quarterback one. Uh, I was surprised Russell Wilson fell into my lap at 81. Uh, behind guys like Matthew Stafford, behind Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, I could see that. You could make an argument there if you wanted to. Um, but these are multiple rounds later that Russell Wilson. I almost had to like check myself and like quickly Google his name. Like, did he get hurt? Did he get suspended? Why is why is Russell Wilson falling so far? So I was I was a little bit surprised to see him. Not just I'm not saying the 80s is a bad number for him. More so the guys that went ahead of him uh, and so much earlier. Yeah, just looking at the little bit that I saw, I mean, not too, too much, honestly. It was what I expected for uh, for the Godzilla Media platform. It's people who know sports, people who like football. Um, I think the most interesting part was, uh, um, what's his name, at giving everybody $20 if nobody drafted Stephon Diggs. And then it changed to DK Metcalf. And- it was it was interesting. The bribe the bribe was at Hooters, and both times the bribe failed. <laughs> we love our sponsors, which is the perfect time to promote Johnstone Supply in Troy. Our guy Tom was wheeling and dealing on draft night. Don't forget, I don't know if Tom's going to be at Sixth Avenue in Troy with Fujitsu Duckless Splits, Energy Saving Ultra Low, or the J Series VRF systems for even more efficiency and flexibility. I'm not sure. JohnstoneSupply.com. Stop in there, 6th Avenue, and just say, where's this Tom character, and what can I buy here that can help my home? Is it heating, AC, refrigeration, indoor air quality to improve at your home? Johnstone Supply in Troy, they will help you do that. They were the story of the draft. They really were. Uh, The only other thing I would add to that is that Brian Cady from White Heat and the space between your ears was given the best grade of any manager. He got the A-plus from Yahoo, so shout out to him. I had said immediately after the draft, just kind of like balance-wise, I liked Chet's team and I liked Levac's team at the end of the draft. Now, that leads to this. There was some controversy 
involving Levac's team. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Mohawk Honda. Selection is king this summer. And if you want to trade in your vehicle, the spot for you is Mohawk Honda. Wherever you're listening in upstate New York, if you're waiting to hear about this controversy, don't you worry. There's no controversy at Mohawk Honda. You stop in, you trade in your vehicle, you get money in your pocket, and you drive off the lot with the car that you want. Finally, I can look out into my driveway, even though it's dark out and we're taping at night. I know the pilot's there because I drove it today. My wife is done with her road trips across upstate New York. She was taking my ride throughout it. Stop in Freeman's Bridge Road right there in Glenville. Not too far away from where Kyle and I are. If you want, just lay on your horn and see if we can hear it as you're driving off the lot right there at Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. Now, on to the controversy. Following the draft, a trade went down between Darren Waller for Sony Michelle. Levac's team, who, again, I said it without this trade. I thought Chet and Levac, balance-wise, were the most balanced teams across the board from quarterback to defense, kicker, tight end, everything. Uh, Dan, who runs the Hooters, he went very heavy tight end. He went Waller. He went Pitts. I feel like I'm missing one more. Maybe one of you guys know off the top of the head who the other third tight end was, but he was going with that zero running back strategy that's getting hot on the internet right now. And he looked at his team and said, ooh, I don't like the strategy anymore. Most of you listening know that's not projected to be a fair trade. Waller for Sony Michelle. And don't worry. Uh, Kyle, I think you were still there at that point where the yelling and screaming and the beers are flying and it got hot. Oh, good, good. I'm glad you left because it started getting hot. Bryce from Sports with the Zenith team hated it. Mostly everybody's hated it. But the trade has gone through. So, Chad and Kyle, I don't know if you've been in this spot before. Let's offer advice to some league managers who may be in spots like this this season where managers in the league may say trade is unfair. How do you guys handle trades? Is it a commissioner puts it through? Is it a league vote? What's the best way to handle it? So I've been in a couple different kinds of them. Um, Majority of them have been league vote. Um, This is pretty clear, a pretty piss poor trade. Um, There may have been some behind the scenes backdoor deals being made, maybe some free chicken wings or a free pitcher of beer. Um, But (laughs) Waller would be probably a lot higher tier, like maybe James Robinson area, like if you had the extra running backs, but there needed to be more for me to see this as a fair trade. Um, If you're a commissioner in that, I think you really got to take a look at um, what else is going on there. Um, It it doesn't pass the smell test. Um, It it really just feels like maybe there is, maybe there's, it's completely legit. And uh, Dan really needed the running backs and, LeVac was like, yo, I got Waller. You want Waller for Sony? And that's what happened. So, again, I don't agree with it, but uh, I think league commissioners need to be ready to say, yo, go fuck off. That is not an okay trade. Yeah, it stunk. It it reeked. And and so (laughs) I could say a lot of things right now. (laughs) I think I said this to you guys, or maybe I said it off our DMs or whatever. If it had happened after week one, let's say Sony Michelle rushed for two touchdowns, 80 to 100 yards. People are like, wow, Sony Michelle's for real in this Rams offense. They look great. Okay, maybe Sony Michelle's a top 20, top 15 guy, and you really need a running back. You pull the trade. This happened an hour after the draft. Darren Waller was picked number 20. Sony Michelle was number 90. But nothing had changed. And so 
that's what leaves the most sour taste for me is that you there's su such far difference in their value at this point. Nothing has changed since we drafted. You could have taken Sony Michelle so many times, and I guy Gaz kind of said like he had the realization, oh my gosh, I need a running back. Okay, so you, you maybe the beers were flowing at Hooters. I don't know. It just it sucks for everybody else where we haven't even started yet, and now it feels like there's an unfair advantage where essentially. Uh, LeVac got two second round picks. Before I offer my take on this, I do have to offer up this theory. If it was Pitts instead of Sony Michelle, so if he had traded a rookie in Kyle Pitts for Sony Michelle, yep. do you think more people would not have gotten outraged about the trade? Yes, because it's a guy who already has Waller. So it could have been a situation, you know, where maybe the strategy was Kyle Pitts is a great talent. I don't want someone else to get him. And I could use that as a trade bait where they're only, what, five? good, trustworthy tight ends. And if Pitts is one of those guys, yeah, you could pull this trade where you stole a tight end from someone else and now let's work a deal after the draft where I get one of your guys. That I would have been okay with. And I think uh, LeVac would have taken that. Pitts for Sony Michelle seems much more fair. But when you give up a top two, top three tight end that is going in the top three rounds, that's where it's it's rough for everybody to swallow that one. So my two things on this one, and I think I said this, this uh, that night at Hooters, I have actually never been in a league except one league that it actually came to league vote. Like I've never actually had to deal with fellow managers voting for trades because a lot of times what happens is you have future draft picks involved in a lot of leagues I'm in. So it's really hard to figure out what's going to be fair with a future draft pick. Usually if we have in-season trades, a team really stinks. So they're dealing away picks, which is just, Hard to figure out what a value is. The only league I've actually ever been in where managers voted on a yes or no was back in the old radio days, the old traditional media. And what happened was this. I don't care. I'll say the kid's name. So Mike James was in the league, but he had an, the ultimate level of lazy I've never still to this day seen for a fantasy football manager. So it was a league that involved cash. But at this point, he was no longer working for 104.5, the team. So he really didn't care about the league. And he wanted one of his friends to win the league. So he's trying trading healthy players for injured players. He's like, I don't care about that league anymore. Hey, I want to help you. And he actually, one of those guys saved the text. And he's like, guys, I mean, I'm like, okay, this is just too easy. <laughs> like, yeah. Obviously, we can't put an injured player through a healthy player, you dumbass. And how lazy can you be just not to update your roster? So honestly, that's the only time I've ever dealt with it in any fantasy football league. Now, with that all being said, do I agree that Darren Walder is going to have a monster season over Sony Michelle? Absolutely. However, what makes this really difficult for a commissioner? And I talked to Sean Martin from Eminem and M across the board podcast, and he offered a very same perspective I did. If your two willing trade partners have said yes, it's hard to say no. Like one person agreed, the other person agreed. And the second part that's tough about this is it's the preseason. Now, let's say Darren Waller, like you said, Chet, week one. Let's say Darren Waller goes out and has four touchdowns and Sonny Michelle doesn't come off the bench and it's a straight-up trade. You're like, okay. Like, but what unfortunately could happen is that Darren Waller could go out week one, tear his ACL, and Sony Michelle beats out everybody in the Rams' backfield and becomes a top 10 running back. Because of the unpredictability of the preseason, I can't say no to the trade. 
like we all have the projections that Waller's going to destroy Sony Michelle. So unfortunately, I pushed it through for some managers who are not happy about it. But I feel like that's the fairest thing to do preseason. Any other time, I probably would have said no, but that's what I decided on. I know it's not going to make everybody happy, but that's the Commissioner Goss take I took. Mm. <laughs> it, it, it does put you in a tough situation. I completely agree with that. Um, then you set a precedent, and then it's which fantasy football can be very subjective, especially when it comes down to those decisions of what's right and what rules, and nothing's really set in stone. It's it's made up as you go, kind of, and every league's different. Um, so I get that, and I respect that, and that's why I didn't give you a ton of shit about it. It's just, <laughs> I, I, honestly, it's more, and I guess I don't even. It's hard to even be mad at Levac because. <laughs> the guy agreed to it. You know, you're not gonna. Say, you want your team to be better, but now it's gonna be one of those things. If Levac wins, I'm just gonna roll my eyes and be like, "Well, yeah, you got two second round picks that no one else got two second round picks." So, whatever. It's it's you know like like when you're a kid and you use like reverse psychology on your siblings, and you're like, "If that's how you want to win, if that's how you want to do it," and then it makes you feel bad and you don't cheat. And not saying he's cheating, but. It's just he already has a leg up on everybody else. I think Levac is going to embrace this more than ever. I think he's going to embrace the villain role this year in the Gossip He is a villain. I'm watching Heroes versus Villain Survivor. Oh, that's a good season. Levac would absolutely be on the villain team without question. He'd be with Russell. He'd be with Russell. I think Gaz would be a hero. Oh, that's very nice, Chad. All right, here's the other topic we had. Uh, If you have not drafted your teams yet, we've combined both the wide receivers and tight ends in this one. So because we had a feeling we were going to go long on a lot of these topics, we're calling it reach or run pass catchers. So either wide receiver or tight end. I know in the past podcast we gave you our top five quarterbacks, our top five running backs. We're not going to do the top five unless you guys are, like, really close on one. I just might add in a few players here on reach or run. I'm going to go first because these have been driving me insane. I got three out of the gates. I'm already going to cheat and give you three reaches out of the gates. Uh, DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, and Kyle Pitts. All summer long, these three have been driving me insane. DJ Moore, I feel like year two of Joe Brady, year two of Matt Rule, and Sam Darnold, somebody's going to break out on the Carolina Panther offense. I know McCaffrey gets over 100 receptions a season. I know Robbie Anderson's out there. But DJ Moore could be that. Okay, 30 to 35, 25-ish tight end, wherever your point system is, I feel like the Panthers are going to get buried in some games this year, and they are just going to launch the ball constantly. McCaffrey's coming off an injury. They may not want to feed him the rock as much in the second half, even though he's a stud. Love DJ Moore. I'm going to reach for him. The Texans stink. Deshaun Watson may or may not play. They're going to get buried in some games this season. I have no idea who the hell their running back is. I know Mark Ingram's there now. David Johnson is Philip. Okay, they got three guys who may or may not carry the ball. Cooks. I'm reaching on Cooks, and I've talked myself into Kyle Pitts being the greatest tight end in the history of the NFL, the rookie tight end at least. He's going to go for over 1,000 yards because Atlanta's going to throw the football. So I'm reaching on all those guys. And by the way, I only got Cooks in the Godzilla Media League. I mean, no, I got DJ Moore too. So I've talked myself into two of my reaches already this season. <laughs> um, I can go next. Uh, Chad, do you want to respond to that? Sorry. Well, I was going to let you respond, Kyle, because aren't you very low on DJ Moore? Um, yeah, I'm. I don't know what, but guys, you make some good points. They're going to be similar to like the Bengals last year. They get absolutely buried and just heave it. Um, so there, there might be some upside there. It's just. 
any I hate relying on um getting buried and just chuck chucking up the ball. It's it's just never been a strategy of mine because those couple games that they end up being in the game, it just it ends up being a shit show. So um I'm just not a big fan of anything um Carolina with the outside exception of Christian McCaffrey. Um so I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm gonna run away from him because he's I don't think he's there yet. I'm just I wouldn't reach for him quite as probably aggressive as you're going to go for him. D, uh, so where is DJ getting drafted? Like a fourth? Uh, he's probably be like a fifth or a sixth, probably. I'm trying to find him on this list right now. Because I remember there was a few times in my drafts where I've seen him in like a cluster of receivers, and I never went for oh, – there you go. So he's right around the Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper. The third? Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen. I like all those guys, and that's, that's why I, I don't know. I kind of ran away. Sam Darnold easily could prove me wrong. Sam Darnold could be the next Ryan Tannehill, where we wrote him off because of the team he was on. He was on a dumpster fire team with a dumpster fire coach, and maybe now combining with Brady, who I'm a huge fan of after seeing what he did at LSU and now taking it over to Carolina. Um, I, could, I would not be surprised if we saw a new and improved Sam Darnold as my brother likes to joke, as long as he stops making out with people and getting uh, – I almost said getting COVID. Don't get COVID either. Um, mono, right, mono. Mono, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I guess like those other guys, I feel like they have better quarterbacks throwing them the football, and that's why I lean their way. Yep. All right. Are you going for your reaches, Kyle? Yeah. So my reaches, I've got three. I've got two wide receivers and a tight end as well. My number one reach that I even just grabbed the other day um, Mike Gusecki. Um, I think it's a very interesting situation. If you look at what Mike Gusecki did, especially towards the end of the year, or when Tua came into the game is how I should put it. Mike Gusecki ended up being quite the pass catcher. He caught everything that went his way. Tua was looking for him. He had some big games. He, the, the kid has hands of gold. He does not drop anything. He makes some incredible catches um, with an improved Tua full, full off season, preseason. Um, I think Gusecki's in line to have a hell of a year. Um, I know a lot of times I think he's mostly going in like the fifth round. Um, depending on where you're drafting, I would go as high as early fourth on him. Um, just cause I think he, I think he has the potential to be a top five tight end this year. Um, and I've just, I've been a fan of him. Obviously I see a lot of him in the AFC East with being a bills fan, but he just, he's so good. He's quick. He's big. So, um, definitely, I would I would go around round and a half up on Mike Gusecki if he's available. And you're sitting pretty at um, two RBs and a, and a wide receiver one. Um, my my second and third are actually pretty close to each other from like an average draft position. They're probably going like the sixth or seventh round, um, maybe even a little later. On all honesty, um, what happened to people liking Devonte Parker? Mm. Um, I, he, if I'm not mistaken, he's the number one right now. I mean, Waddle's obviously going to put some pressure on him, but Devontae Parker's fast as hell. I think he's what six, two, um, again, really good hands runs, decent routes, um, had a pretty good year last year, especially as they, uh, started, started throwing the ball. He was Ryan Fitzpatrick's uh, favorite target, um, had a good year last year. So don't sleep on Devontae Parker. Um, I think he's a good sixth round get. Um, if you're if you're in one of those situations where you're like, I really need a wide receiver to maybe fill a flex and a bye week uh, wide receiver too, Devontae Parker would be a great grab. 
And then my last one, and I it might be a recency bias thing, um, because Zach Wilson loved this dude during the preseason. Corey Davis might be an interesting grab, and he's going late, like nine ten. Um, he in his last preseason game that I watched him, um, Zach Wilson was throwing it to him. I think he had like six catches for seventy three yards in like the first quarter and a half. Um, and in a wide receiver room that is quite thin, who I think has a lot of good potential. That that Jets wide receiver room does have some potential with um I can't remember all there's Crowder, I think, is still there, probably playing the slot. You got Corey Davis now. Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. from Mississippi. You might remember him as the kid who peed on the ball in the egg bowl. Yeah. So yep. they, they've got a good young wide receiver core. If Zach Wilson can put it together, which part of me says hopes he doesn't. Um, I'm thinking Corey Davis could be a great flex play every single week who can get you a consistent 11, 12 points. And if he scores a touchdown, he's going to get that 16, 17, 18 points for you. So, um, I would go up to probably round six as well with Corey Davis. If you're finding yourself in a situation where you maybe have a tight end, two running backs, a good wide receiver, you know, you're going after a backup running back with your fifth, sixth pick. And then you were like sitting there going, eh, Corey Davis is there. I'll, I would grab him there. I don't think that's a bad grab at all, especially if you have people like um, Cortland Sutton, who's gone, who's a couple picks high, or Juju, who's gone. Corey Davis, I think, is a great option to grab in that sixth, seventh round area. Chet, before you offer yours, that Corey Davis pick, I'm calling him in my mind, bye week Corey Davis, bench week Corey Davis, where like you just said, he's going to have these breakout games between like week five and 11, where he, I think you Spot on with the stats, like six for 16, a touchdown. You're going to get a double-digit game out of, again, a guy who led Western Michigan to a yep. Cotton Bowl bid and is statistically one of the greatest college football Division One wide receivers of all time. So, yeah, that is a nice keep-him-break-glass-when-necessary pick for Corey Davis this year. Did he get a Heisman vote from Gods? He did not, but that year it was Corey Davis, John Ross. Oh, my God, I'm going to forget the third one. There were three unbelievable wide receivers that year. John Ross, Corey Davis, I'm going to remember the third one in a second, where I thought Davis was the best of the three. And I think, I believe he went in the top 10. Yeah, that, that yeah. year was stacked. Was like number five in the draft? He was being compared to Megatron. Really? Yeah. Which didn't really live up to the hype, but is like salvaging his career in a, in a good way. Okay, um, I had no idea that we were doing three reaches, so I kind of you can do one. We just got too excited yeah. about it. I don't want to up, but you know the other guys on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I'll start. This is kind of in order. So my one that I had written down that I'm really high on, I got up in multiple leagues. Debo Samuel. Um, I feel like Debo. The injuries are obviously a concern. He has not been able to stay healthy, has not put together an entire season. But not a lot of competition in San Francisco. Brandon Ayuk, who's a freak, and we saw some great plays from him as a rookie. Um, but then it's Debo. And we'll see what Garoppolo can do, but I think people are starting to really get high on Trey Lance. This could be a fun offense to watch. Uh, there was a game last year when he was back and healthy or if I'm not mistaken, he had like 10 or 11 catches for 130 yards, I believe, against the Rams. That's not a slouchy defense. So, like, he has that ability, and he's currently, like, wide receiver 33. Like, you're getting him in your, like, ninth or 10th round. And I would not be surprised that after a few games, he's going to be in your starting lineup. So you're not even risking a lot. 
You move up one round and get him in the eighth or ninth, you're already filling your bench. And that might be one of the strongest bench players that you could get where, again, he could be in your flex or even wide receiver too pretty early. Did yeah. you look it up, Kyle? Yeah, so I just looked it up. So he had 11 catches – or uh, yeah, 11 catches – wait, I'm reading this wrong. Yes, Jesus, 11 catches on 13 targets ugh, for 133 yards, 18.8 points, followed up by being guarded by uh, Trey White in Buffalo – Nine catches for 73 yards. He didn't have the touchdown with Salvage and Salvage Day, but then the following week he got hurt. I was very high on on Debo last year. He just was hurt for three games, played four games. Hurt four games, played three, played two in a uh, minute. So I love, love that one. Right, because if he does get hurt again, it's not going to destroy your team. Like it's like a bummer, you put him in your IR spot, hopefully he comes back and you, you want to see it before you put him back in your lineup. But the potential, that's where like I'm when I'm reaching for guys, I'm looking at it. What's this guy's ceiling? We haven't really seen the ceiling for Debo Samuel yet, but Goz loves to talk about how great guys were in college. He's one of the best when we saw him do at Ohio State. So if he can stay healthy, it's a big if, he could be a huge get for your team. Speaking of great college players, maybe the greatest wide receiver in college football history, Devontae Smith. I was high on him. I'm kicking myself because I missed him in one of my drafts, but in two other ones, I was able to land Devontae. Again, at where he's going, wide receiver 38, he's going to be on your bench. Like that's You're not having to draft him as your wide receiver too. To get a guy like Devontae Smith, who again, not a lot of competition in Philadelphia. What is it, Jalen Rieger, who had a really poor rookie season. And then it's Devontae. Like he's already a starter. With a quarterback, if Jalen Hurts stays there and doesn't get traded, the Deshaun Watson rumors, whatever, a guy he already has repertoire with. They played together in college. These guys are boys. And we've seen what Devontae's been able to do. Like when you're playing in the SEC, you're playing in the NFL. Like I'm not even like the cornerbacks that he lines up against when he's going against LSU or when he's going against Georgia, those are the guys that he's going to see on Sunday. And nobody could stop the guy for three years of one of the best college careers we've ever seen. Uh, he could easily be the next where we're like, you know, Justin Jefferson got drafted late as a rookie, where uh, A.J. Brown got drafted super late. Devontae's a, a tier above that where people are expecting a, a great season, but it could be even better than we think. So, again, you don't have to risk a lot, and Devontae could be a stud. Now for a much more uh, accomplished NFL player. How about OBJ? OBJ was on the board in a lot of my drafts, and I had to check myself of like, why is he still here? <laughs> I don't like drafting guys that have come off serious injuries, but this is OBJ. Like if OBJ comes back and is 90% of the Odell that we know, and you're getting him in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, holy cow. That, that's a guy that was a perennial top two round pick. So that's a guy where if you're already feeling good about your core, you've got your starters filled out, and there's OBJ, pull the trigger. Because that, again, could be the difference maker of that guy gets into your starting lineup if he gets to return to form. It's funny when you were talking about the Smith comparisons. The one who always jumps out to me is Odell Beckham Jr., a better version, where he can get one over the middle and go 60, 70 yards. And that combination of those two on your team, you could get one week where, what, 20-plus a piece? And you just your game could be done by the 
3.30 time slot if Smith and Odell Beckham Jr. both go off in the same week and you play that combo of like slot position wide receiver two with them or however you want to do it with those guys. It could be really exciting. Uh, the only one, the runaway I have, I have one. And he's a fantasy football legend for some people. Julio. You knew it. Julio Jones, man. Like, I just see him sitting on the board, and I love A.J. Brown. We've nicknamed him the phenomenal one over A.J. Styles. Anybody named A.J. go with that nickname for him? You started looking at Julio's stats. I had, to, I had to triple check Julio's stats. On average the past three years, if you average out his stats, he goes for 1,200 yards and six touchdowns. If I told you you were going to get a player who scores maybe once every three weeks for you, and really it's a 13-week 13 13 regular season – Every other week in 80 to 90 yards, okay, you're probably a top 12 to 14 wide receiver, but it's Julio, so we think of him differently. And he's 32, and he's not the number one target. Look, A.J. Green and Julio Jones have been the top two wide receivers since they were in high school. Phenomenal college players, phenomenal NFL players. It fell off fast for A.J. Green. This could be the season it falls off fast for Julio. So I'm running away from Julio Jones. Legendary fantasy player. I, I can't touch him this year. Another thing to add to that, Goss, those are all great points. It's also Derrick Henry's team. So it's not even – it's a team that we're expecting to be either winning or it's going to be a tight game every week. So they're not going to fall behind and have to chuck it 30 times a game. It's a run first team on first down and on second down. And then you're, you're splitting time with A.J. Brown. So I completely agree. Yeah. I, I also only had one run. And I don't know how much of a run it is. He's going in like the the fourth-ish round. I just don't know if I'm willing to draft him there because I don't love the, the team. Can I guess? The offense. Fourth? Yes. You think fourth round? Yep. Gaz, do you have a guess? Uh, I would Ooh. guess – I was going to guess Chris Godwin because of Antonio Brown playing a whole season in Mike Evans. I was going to guess Chris Godwin. Nope, not Godwin. Amari Cooper. Nope. Deontay Johnson. Okay. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm not expecting high things from that offense because there were moments in that offense last year that you're like, what the hell are they doing? Like, Deontay had a good season last year. He had multiple double-digit games. He had some good 20-point games. I just find that wide receiving core very crowded, especially with Claypool. Like, I think we all agree that they have mismanaged Claypool a little bit. He could have done a lot more for that offense. And there were times where he just didn't even get looked at, wasn't even on the field. And you're like, what's going on? And you guys know who you have. DeAndre Johnson just is one that's going in the fourth round that I feel like there's more value out there. There's going to be guys like, I feel like Cooper Cup, like he was at Godwin. I still like Godwin because he catches those balls and has that chance to do some of what Tyreek does and just run away. Um, I, I'm not, if Dak Prescott plays, I love Amari Cooper. Um, so DeAndre Johnson going in the fourth round, if he was there in maybe the sixth, I might take a fly, but he's obviously not going to be there because of some of the upside. But I think it's just more of what the offense and what I'm seeing and expecting from that offense. Cause you hear all about Najee Harris being the guy that they're going to really run the ball with. And, I still like Juju. I still like Claypool. And now I'm also going to throw in Deontay Johnson in there. That's like me saying I love Diggs and I love Emmanuel Sanders and I love – you can't have all three. It just doesn't work that way unless it's the Chiefs. Um, but I don't know. That's kind of one that I'm running away from in the fourth round. I feel like there's more value out there off, off of anybody but Deontay. Love it. Love that pick. I actually don't know if he's actually good. 
Like just flat out, like because of injuries and Ben Roethlisberger. Right. Like, is he actually good? Because like Juju Smith-Schuster, if you had him in 2018, he might have won you a championship. If you had him in 2017, he might have won you a championship. Juju's always been putting up numbers, but just recently he hasn't. So love the pick. Love. And by the way, are we kind of surprised Juju's actually in Pittsburgh? He seemed like a lock to get out and make a big contract. And that NFL offseason was not beneficial to him. I agree. Chet, do you have anybody you're running, running far, far away from? Juju! <laughs> wow! For, for many of the points Kyle just said? It's trash. You're right, guys. He could have won you a championship in 2018. What did he do to people in 2019? Three touchdowns the whole year. In lingerie at a Chuck E. Cheese's if you drafted Juju. 2020, just as bad. He likes to freaking do TikTok dances. Did you see that he just did the crate challenge today? No, did he? He did. Look it up on Twitter. Season starts in 10 fucking days. Ooh, that's a loud one. That was, <laughs> that was a sharp PK. Uh, no, I, I'm over it. I, I think he's fun. But fun does not always work in the NFL because um, he he has fun when they're losing. And that's just – I don't know. It rubs me the wrong way. Um, he got exposed when Antonio Brown left, and they wanted him to be the number one. I view him on that offense at that wide receiving room as the number three option. I like Claypool better. I like Deontay Johnson better. So Juju, Kyle made the comment about Deontay. If Deontay's there in the sixth, I don't care if Juju's there in the 11th. I am not drafting Juju Smith-Schuster because I don't think there's any value. He's doing the crate challenge. <laughs> I, I think in Crocs, if I'm not mistaken. Like, oh, no. Take care of your feet. I'm like, the season starts. I, I like You look at Patrick Mahomes. He can't even play basketball in his contract. He can't even like go swimming in his contract. And Juju's doing the crate challenge? On, on film. It's not even like he's doing it, you know – who was the guy that wrecked his, his four-wheeler? Oh, that was Madison Bumgarner. Yeah. Okay, that you're doing that, you know, in your own privacy of your backyard, and he just likes that, you know, he's a country boy. No, this guy's doing it on social media. Like, what message? Your, your coaches are going to see that. The GM's going to see that. Like, you know he's going to get an immediate phone call of, like, Juju, stop climbing a 10-foot tower. We play, and, like, come on, man. So the antics combined with the actual performance is just not there anymore. I I don't think the guy's a uh, serviceable, especially where he's being taken. By the way, for those who don't know, Chet Davis, not only a fantasy football passionate manager, also a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I am a Steelers fan. So doubles down on his despising of Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, guys, we've had it all this episode. We've had controversy. We've had fun. We've had some swears. As my mom likes to call it, swear bugs have crawled into this podcast. This was one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. I think the next time we all connect, like our coaches used to say in high school, is game week. Week yeah. one of the NFL season year lineups will be stacked, and we'll talk about matchups, the breakout players. We're going to go back to some of our old school segments of start, sit. I don't even remember what we used to call it now. Can we call them Mirages? I don't even know if we can call them Mirages legally yeah. anymore. We have to figure out a new name potentially for our in-season matchups and everything else. So uh, I'm excited for next week. This was an awesome episode, and uh, get ready for game week next week. Enjoy Woo! your rosterbation, boys and girls. <laughs>